Sometimes you see it coming. Sometimes you don't. I was called in the Friday before Christmas, and I was told they were letting me go. My husband of 22 years came home the day after our daughter's graduation and told me he had only stayed all this time for the kids. Significant life changes can come fast and without warning. It's what you do next that matters. I mean, nothing changes your life more than a diagnosis like that. But eight years later in remission, and honestly, I'm having the best year of my entire career. And then I went home and I collapsed and I cried and I sobbed and I screamed and I wailed and I'm like, okay, I got to find a job. Not a single door open. Until the day when it happens to you, you should always be asking yourself, what's in your blind spot? Featuring Patrick Lennon and Dr. Greg Sinema. Welcome, everybody. Uh, thanks for joining us again uh, to the Blind Spot Podcast. Uh, we, as we sort of get more and more guests onto the show, we also run into people and stories that are just so amazing that we want to share them with you. And then, you know, the, the goal of this type of show is to kind of give you hints and give you clues as to who this guest might be. And then Dr. Greg, my my co-host here, will kind of look into a little under the <laughs> under the uh, under the skin a little bit in terms of some of the things that that, that might have caused uh, the blind spot that this person went through. But um, so, Greg, how are you? How's, I mean, it's been a crazy week. Uh, thanks for taking a couple of minutes today to record this. No, this is interesting. And the, and the the gentleman that you brought to us, there's a hint that it's a it's a male. Yep. Um, <laughs> is 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 an interesting character, and I think you framed it up well. I'm not sure about getting under the skin. That that part, okay, that's kind of that weird. Part, yeah, that was a little, it's a little creepy. A little, weird. a little weird. Um, a little weird. but but I think part of what is such um, an interesting thing for me as a therapist, and and then for you, who's somebody who's uh, been through so many blind spots in your life, and those who have followed the podcast currently have followed uh, some of the challenges that you have overcome, um, is is looking under the hood a bit, right, and understanding. Mm-hmm what it is that that just catches us off guard or you know maybe it wasn't a particular event as in some of the folks that we've talked to and interviewed along along the road here but some of the upbringing and and how that can present a blind spot in our life because if there's you know and and no parenting is perfect and the last thing we're doing is bashing parents here right but you know you can sometimes have such a dysfunctional childhood and air quotes on dysfunctional, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. that it creates blind spots that don't come out until later in life. And the damage that was done um, lays underneath the surface and then um, will come out. Whether it's triggered and something happened that that brought it out, or whether it's just as you mature and get older and you run into more life circumstances, sure. um, here it is, right? And now my dysfunction is staring me straight in the face. Right, or it blows a marriage up, blows a career up blows the family up um, and uh, you have to deal with it too. I think, well, let's get into it a little bit. So, so this, this, this person um, will kind of lay out some pretty amazing things he has done. Um, and Greg, you have some of the stats, but I mean, uh, the one that kind of blew me away and, you know, jump in G is 101 ultra marathons. This guy has run and, you know, running with, amazing sort of coaches and training um, is one thing, right? This guy, the night before he ran an ultra marathon, which ultra marathon, by the way, it makes a real marathon look like child's play. This guy literally went to the Walmart and bought his shoes the night before. Mm-hmm. Um, 
He is a three-time Navy SEAL, uh, went through Hell Week three times right here in Coronado, Um, had a childhood where he was brought up with a a father that, you know, lack of, you know, no other way to say it, but just beat the crap out of him. And mom, you know, left, left the dad. Um, It's just, it's a tragic childhood with abuse, with, you know, he was a pretty heavy, overweight guy who was, I think, I, the story I recall in listening to the book, he's a motivational speaker now. I mean, his life has turned out to be a, a thing of inspiration. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know I brought this guy to you, Greg, and I was like, holy Toledo. I mean, this guy has changed so many lives with the no excuses routine of, you know, you got to have accountability in your life. And, uh, you can't be a victim, um, which is sort of a theme I get from a lot of people that we seem to interview that victim mentality doesn't play well, um, in your, in your life. Um, yeah. but yeah, I, I don't know if you have anything to share on, on, on this gentleman, but it, he's, he's pretty incredible. Well, I think the victim mentality doesn't play well anywhere. Mm-hmm. And the, there are lots of reasons to be a victim and, and a lot of us are, are victimized, but, it, but that mentality needs to get delivered from your your world as quickly as you possibly can it doesn't do anything productive for us so if mm-hmm. you look at this guy um he says he should be a, a delinquent he said you know and you talk about a, an abusive alcoholic father mm-hmm. he was bullied in school uh, he had a learning disability um he was aimless in life he was depressed um he was plagued by self-doubt um, he really kind of went through his early childhood and teen years like, I'm nobody. I'm nothing. I have no self-esteem. My life means nothing. I'm going nowhere. Um, and and something triggered in him, which I think is super interesting. So this transformation comes about, and it's not, you know, it's not these life hacks, and it's not quick fixes, and it's not... Mm-hmm you know, the light bulb didn't go off in his head one day or somebody didn't utter some magic phrase to him or he wasn't singled out and given something, right? He nope. just figured it out one day. And he said, you know, you you can build calluses on your feet. This is, this is powerful. He says, you can build mm-hmm. calluses mm-hmm. on your feet to endure the road, but you have to build calluses of your mind to endure the pain. That resonated with me personally, right? Like when I go through what, and I'm by no means a warrior like this guy is, <laughs> but I, I sort of feel like people have asked me, how have I kind of been able to overcome a lot of the things that I've gone through, right? From the blindness to all the different things that I've had to sort of endure. And a lot of it is that, right? It's building calluses, right? When I was six years old, I was diagnosed with a brain tumor. I was in the hospital for six months with a 10% chance to live. So from the age of six years old, I had my head bandaged. I was you know, stuck in Long Beach Memorial, couldn't walk when I left, couldn't, I had to go to a special school with, uh, that's a funny story in itself, by the way, because my dad used to ask me if I was going to date the cheerleaders at the school because because <laughs> it was a school of misfits. But at back in the day, they didn't have special schools for specific challenges. Yeah. They put them all in the, pl- they put them all in the playground. <laughs> so basically we <laughs> dodgeball. Had, it was, we had bipolar, we had <laughs> learning disabilities, we had Tourette's, we had, I mean, everybody was out there and uh, true story. And you got one minute after school for every swear word you said, 
So that, those are the boundaries. That, those are the bar that I had. So I spent I spent quite a quite a bit of time after school. But you doing overnights? <laughs> I did. I did. I brought my parents had dropped off a sleeping bag for me. But no, I. But my point being is that then you go through my alcoholism, my addiction, my cancer, all the my blindness. I just those are all calluses, right? Um, that have allowed me to say, okay, it's going to be okay tomorrow, right? And tomorrow's a new day. Um, like I've I have I had a crappy day today. You know, just the industry of our business is just, it's an up and down day, but today is great. Tomorrow could be bad. Um, but you're, I mean, you've gone through, Greg, with your your life, you know, and you've had your challenges and your calluses, but I think that's what resonated with me with him, um, was that statement of building calluses yeah. um, you know, on it's, your It's life. powerful, and, and it's something that people can relate to. Just, you know, a, a quick reflection of, his calluses you really couldn't see, right? I mean, you you can't see mm-hmm. the fact that he had an alcoholic father who bullied him and and beat mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, you can't you can't see the depression in people um, very easily unless you look very very carefully. Mm-hmm. Um, your challenges were more more visible to the to the mm-hmm. casual observer, right? Um, but I think the lesson mm-hmm. the lesson there for for people is it's your it's in your head it's in your mind whether you are going to succumb to this or whether you are going to allow it to dictate who you are and define you as a person and and allow you to see yourself as a victim or are you going to do something else and you chose something else mm-hmm. this guy that we're talking about chose something else and what he chose was a, a fascinating course we should talk about that yeah, let's do it let's do it because i think his if I recall in the book, and we're going to get to some of the some of the details, but I think he was an exterminator and weighed close to three hundred pounds when he decided that this was it. He was done. He didn't want to live this way, so he went to a, a military recruitment office and said, "I want to be a I want to be a Navy SEAL." And they looked at him and laughed. And they said, "Dude, you're you're one hundred and fifty pounds over weight. You have to drop one hundred and fifty pounds." And again, I'm being approximate in terms of the weight, but it was a it was over 100 pounds. Yeah. So he literally called it his accountability mirror. And every day he had stickies on the mirror when he woke up and looked in the mirror and they were to lose weight. They were to do this, to do that. And that was his way of being accountable to himself. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe you roll Greg, me being not able to see it, maybe you could roll through some of his his uh, other accomplishments, and then we can get into who he is and yeah, and uh, some takeaways. Absolutely. So he is the only member of the armed uh, services to complete Navy SEAL training, Army Ranger School, and Air Force Tactical Air Controller training. So it's like the big three, right? Hmm. The most elite of the elite, Navy SEALs, Army Rangers, and Air Force Tactical Controller. Um, he has the title Toughest Man Alive. He's complete, uh, completed 70 ultra marathons um that's compared to my zero yeah 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 yeah. ultra marathons um ultra marathon for me is to the fridge and back often Mm -hmm. right and and not losing my breath Mm -hmm. um he's raised over two million dollars for families of fallen soldiers so he's a good man on top of being just an ultra um inspirational athlete uh he's inspired millions as a best-selling author um he's he's going gangbusters um he is only the 36th black man to become a navy seal which i think is was a fascinating stat to me right yeah it's good it's good and it's not 
you know? Yeah, I guess you could look at it from a couple of different perspectives, but he mm-hmm. has certainly broken barriers. Um, Guinness Book of World Records for 4,030 pull-ups in 17 hours. Dude, if you could hear him tell that story in his book, his hands literally peeled apart because he's not a small guy. And the guy that he had to beat in the record was a skinny little guy who was wiry. And here's a big dude um, doing these pull-ups. And his, I mean, literally it is, the story is wild. I literally let Carolyn listen to the book when I, and rewound, and rewound this story. So it, it, it the guy, it's unbelievable. It, it truly is unbelievable. And in some of his quotes out of the book, I think are fascinating and helpful for people. One of them is by regularly and intentionally seeking difficulty. Think about that for just a second and compare the lives that we lead and how we avoid the hell out of anything difficult, <laughs> difficult. and discomfort, <laughs> right? It, it yep. is the turnaround and run the opposite direction whenever it starts to feel like this could be challenging or I don't, oh, it doesn't feel good, yeah. I don't yeah. know. Confrontation, right. anything. So you yep. know, his thing mm-hmm. is you mm-hmm. have to regularly, intentionally seek difficult and uncomfortable situations in your life, things that demand more from you physically, mentally, and emotionally, and spiritually than you ever thought, because that's where you discover that what you thought was impossible is actually possible. So pause yeah, that. For, yeah. And I, I, I didn't intend to ask you this, but I'm curious, mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. what have you done in your life that you thought was impossible, but you figured out through doing it was possible? Not drinking. Hmm. First thing that comes to mind, you know, at 17 and a half years old, when my parents, you know, who are amazing human beings, uh, put me in rehab um, after being kicked out of boarding school in Boston. And I thought, oh, this will be a hiccup. There's no way I'll, you know, I'm not even, I just went and played the game and went to a treatment center in in, um, in Minnesota. And, uh, you know, the, the chances of staying sober for as long as I've stayed sober at that age are less than 1%. And uh, they said, they even told me when I got out of the 28-day program, you're not ready. And so mm. I didn't think I'd make it. I went to meetings. I did, I, you know, I started a group in high school. I mean, so that was something that I did not think I could do. And uh, here I am, you know, 38 years later, but I, but it's day by day. It's one day at a time, which is, I think it's, which has helped me get through everything else that I've gotten through. Day by day um, is, is powerful. I've known you for, mm-hmm. what, a, I, we must be close to 20 years. So, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Have, have you been tempted to drink? In the, not just because you know me. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I you, mean, you. <laughs> right. <laughs> harder, which, harder stuff than drinking with my, you. Which has driven my wife to drinking, I'm certain. But, um, um, you know, in the last 20 years, not seriously, no. I, I've been in a situation where I thought, God, to be, listen, your mind plays tricks on you, right? And it, you start to think, well, you know, I got, I got sober at a really young age. So I've changed. I've grown up. You know, all kids go through that. So there's, there's always ways your mind can trick you into thinking that you're not an alcoholic or an addict or you're not blind or you're not like, you know, even le- learning to live blind. I didn't think I could do that to be able to use a cane. I was mm. so mortified to use a cane. Um, now I don't leave the house without a cane, like a cell phone. It's like, I want it. It, it gives me peace. It gives me, um, you know, but I would, I'd love to turn the mic on you though. What? What have you gone into and didn't want to go into 
that you came across that you actually accomplished? Um, you know, it's interesting, and I'm not a particularly disclosing person. I know that's uh, why you asked me. Yeah, first. so thanks for yeah, putting me yeah. on the spot yep. here. Yep. I yep. I would yep. have to say the police academy was the first time that I I really challenged myself because I I don't yeah you know, I played ball in, in high school and college and I was fairly athletic. Mm-hmm. But I was not emotionally ready for people up in my face and um, just doing everything they could possibly do to wash me out of an academy. Um, all of us, not just me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had this real problem with authority. And so somebody up in my face and yelling at me and making me run and calling me all sorts of names. Um, and I understand now why they do it, because they want to know how you're going to react to it when you get out in the field. Mm-hmm. Um but I remember this one particular day um, being told to go run a 10-mile course for no reason at all, just because the guy just felt like I needed to go run a 10-mile course. And my, my reaction was, no. <laughs> In my head, it's like, it, it was sure. literally, screw you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, nobody's going to make me go run. And as I was standing there looking at him yelling at me, um, because I think I had lint in my handgun. I think when they, they do, um, they do inspections every morning. Okay. Okay. And so that you pull your, your sidearm and they, they inspect it. And I guess lint had gotten in the barrel of it overnight or something like that. And so I, I had to go run. And as I, as I was preparing to say, screw you, I'm not going to go run. I was able to process what happens after this, which means you wash out of the Academy. And if you wash yeah. out of the Academy, yeah. you are not going to be a cop. And I ran. And I remember in that in that run, and I hate running, by the way, mm-hmm. um, I remember thinking, this is what you have to be able to do the rest of your life. You have to be able to overcome your, your impulses to do something that you know is not going to end well for you and do the opposite. And I've used that moment. It's, and it's powered a lot of, uh, of my life, whether it was you know, going to school and becoming a therapist and mm-hmm. um, starting a business with you, whatever it is, um, I've used that you have to become mentally tough in order to get to where you want in life. Mm, powerful. Thank you for sharing. And it's, I think I've known you for 20 years. I don't think you've ever shared with me, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, I don't trust you. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. All right, so let's get to who this, who this gentleman is. Um, you want to go ahead and, and tell, tell, the, tell, tell our listeners who it is? Yeah, so the, the gentleman is Dave Goggins, right? That's it, man, David Goggins. Mm-hmm. And just a interesting guy. And if you, you know, are listening to this and you're just going, I, I, think I want to look this guy up, go look him yeah. up. It's, it's remarkable, man. And right. listen to the audiobook. The first audiobook that he wrote, um, what's the name of the first one, Greg? That uh, it's, I think it's on your sheet there Is in it the show notes. But Unfinished Warrior? Yeah, uh, no, it's, it's the one before that. That's, uh-huh. Unfinished Warrior just came out. It's the one before that. And he sits in a podcast studio in New York with the author. So this guy basically interviews Goggins in this podcast studio. And he just tells a story. And it's the most engaging audiobook I've listened to, I feel like, um, because he tells his true story. He tells his life story. Yeah. And it's sort of an autobiography slash interview. And it's really well done. And one thing I thought was really fascinating about this guy, too, is right before he was going to do a sign a book deal, I don't know if you knew this, Greg, he was going to sign a book deal and do what most new authors do, right? Sell their soul, right? To a you know, Harper Collins or whoever it was that was going to buy his rights. Yeah. 
and he met with, I think it was, the story goes, he met with Joe Rogan or he met with somebody and they said, don't do it. Go out and self-hustle. So he went out, he published his own book himself went, and went number one on the bestseller list, which is unheard of. Yeah. So he kept 90% of those royalties um, because he believed in himself. And uh, it, was a, it was a really cool kind of cap on what an interesting, motivating this guy is. Yeah, and I think that book was called Can't Hurt Me. Yep, it's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, great dude, dude, some of the stories, man, he couldn't swim. So what, you know what he did? He threw, he, he tied his hands up and his feet. And I think your dog agrees. Um, <laughs> they and can't, they're swimming. Literally, literally put himself in the pool and just said, you're going to have to get used to being in the pool. I mean, he did, dude, the guy, the guy's a nut. He, he is a nut. But listen to his book. Um yeah, so Dave Goggins, you can't hurt me, and uh, it's it's a good book, man. It, it resonated with me. So uh, thanks, G, for jumping on and, and running through this with the with the audience. And and please follow us, leave us reviews, tell us what you love, and uh, if you don't like something, you can share it with a friend, but don't share it online. Um, <laughs> and uh, if, if okay. you don't like dogs barking in the background while you're doing a uh, podcast, then don't have so, dogs. It's okay. It's we just, love dogs. Just that's um, All right, buddy. Um, Until next time, have a great night. Good afternoon, good weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon.